A very good morning to you. Can I welcome you all to our service today? Welcome to those of you joining us online. Welcome to parents who've dropped their children off at BRBK upstairs. We gather as God's family to worship him today, the one who's chosen us by grace, who's poured out his spirit upon us and who lavishes his love upon us. Our call to worship is taken from the opening verses of Psalm 16. Protect me, O God. I trust in you for safety. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. All the good things I have come from you. How excellent are the Lord's faithful people. My greatest pleasure is to be with them. It's good to be together in God's presence, to welcome each other, but we gather to praise God. So let's stand and sing together. We are here to praise you. Thank you. 
stay standing if you're able to, to carry on with some verses from Psalm 16. We continue to worship. You, Lord, are all I have. And you give me all I need. My future is in your hands. How wonderful are your gifts to me. How good they are. I praise the Lord because he guides me. And in the night, my conscience warns me. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And so I'm glad. I'm thankful and glad. And I feel completely secure because you protect me from the power of death. I've served you faithfully and you will not abandon me to the world of the dead. You will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. Lord, I come before your throne of grace.
Amen. Do please sit down. And we've got a responsive reading based on Psalm 77. All of us do some bits, men do others, ladies do other bits. We say together, When I'm in trouble, I cry to God. I cry in the daytime and I cry at night. I cry out and God hears me. Sometimes it's hard to know God is near. I get worried and I feel lonely. I remember the story of you parting the sea in the times of Miriam, Moses and Aaron. You made rain pour down from the clouds and thunder crash from the heavens. And when you walked through the waves, no one could see your footprints. You were like a shepherd, leading your sheep. You have always saved your people. When I'm in trouble, I cry to God. I cry in the daytime, and I cry at night. I cry out, and God hears me. When you are in trouble, God hears you, because he's a faithful God. Stand and declare, when I was lost, you came and rescued me.
Galatians 5 verse 1 says, freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. With those words on the screen to remind us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, we're going to pray for those who are denied liberty. And it's a responsive prayer. When I say Holy Spirit, simply ask you to respond, help them. Holy Spirit, help them. So let's pray. Loving God, we pray for those who have lost or who have been denied their liberty. We pray for those suffering the consequences of bad choices. Those who are in prison. Those who are burdened with guilt. Those who are consumed by regret. Holy Spirit, help them. We pray for those whose decisions are made for them. The unwell. The elderly. Those who are deemed to lack mental capacity. Those who are vulnerable. Children in care. Children who should be in care. Holy Spirit, help them. We pray for those who are paralysed by indecision. Those who fear the future. Those who are stressed. Those whose circumstances keep changing. Those who feel or who do simply lack the resources to cope. Holy Spirit, help them. And we pray for those who at this moment are making desperate choices how to spend what little money they have. Whether to flee their homes. Whether to tell the truth. Sometimes even whether to go on living Holy Spirit, help them. And we pray for those in Ukraine, trapped in cities besieged by hostile enemies, those forcibly deported to Russia, 
those whose injuries mean that life will never return to normal, those who have fled their homes, those whose world has been shattered. Holy Spirit, help them. Help them all, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we focus on Christ, the one who hears and answers our prayers as we sing praise to Christ, the Lord incarnate.
as you can see, is taken from Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 23. But before the time for faith came, the law kept us all locked up as prisoners until this coming faith should be revealed. And so the law was in charge of us until Christ came in order that we might then be put right with God through faith. Now that the time for faith is here, the law is no longer in charge of us. It is through faith that all of you who are God's children in union with Christ Jesus, you are baptised into union with Christ, and now you are clothed, so to speak, with the life of Christ himself. So there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles, between slaves and free, between men and women, you are all one in union with Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are the descendants of Abraham and will receive what God has promised. But now to continue, the son who will receive his father's property is treated just like a slave while he is young, even though he really owns everything. While he is young, there are men who take care of him and manage his affairs until the time set by his father. In the same way, we too were slaves of the ruling spirits of the universe before we reached spiritual maturity. But when the right time finally came, God sent his own son. He came as the son of a human mother and lived under the Jewish law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might become God's children. To show that you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Father, my father. So then, you are no longer a slave, but a child. And since you are his child, God will give you all that he has for his children. Thanks, Mary. David, can I invite you to come and join us down here, please? David Skip is one of our church members. He is a, a councillor, Washington District Council. I've invited him to come and share something of, of what that means to him in terms of the way in which his Christian faith finds expression in that kind of service. It's an opportunity for us to, to show our love for him, support and prayer for him, but also a reminder to us all, actually, that our faith is not just a matter of what we do and where we are at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. It is how we live our lives. All that we do is offered in Jesus' name as an act of worship uh, to the living God. So David, thank you for agreeing to do this and thank you for joining us. And an apology from me, uh, you've just finished your year as chairman of Horsham District Council. We really should have done this a year ago as you were starting, so my apologies for that. But, but how did you find that year? What, what, what were the good points? What were the challenges for you? Well, it was, a, it was a great year. I have to say I enjoyed it. And um, challenges, well, I'll come to those in a minute. But uh, 
No, it, it, it was really good to, to, to get out uh, and visit various places in the district. The district, as you know, is a large area. It stretches from Horsham right the way down to Stenning, um, Upper Beeding, across to Storrington, Pulborough, uh, Billingshurst, all the way back to, to Horsham. So it covers a large area, and uh, as chairman of the council uh, last year, uh, I obviously had the opportunity to visit many of those places and many of the communities and the organisations that were in those areas. Uh, I took over at the end of COVID, uh, if I say the end of COVID, I, you know what I mean, when we were allowed to go and do things. And uh, the first meeting, in fact, we had to hold in the Capitol Theatre with everyone distantly separated from one another uh, and at that time I hoped and as I said uh, uh, in my uh, preamble then I hope that we will be able to get back to something approaching normality well I'm not sure we have got back to something approaching normality it's a different normality it's a different structure now but we at least are now as a council meeting together and we are actually able to talk and, and, and go to meetings together. The council, I, if I can give you a bit of background, is that all Please right? Please do, yeah, by all means, yeah. I could talk forever, when am I told, when do I stop? Uh, you're right at the moment, so all right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, the, the council is a very strange body that, that a lot of people uh, find difficult to understand, so I thought I'd just give you a bit of background to it, because um, one, of the, one of the issues that always comes up for me is, what are you going to do about the fossils? Um, and I know exactly what you mean. The problem is, of course, fossils are nothing to do with the district council. So I'd like you to know that, um, so that you don't write to me anymore or people don't email me. Spoken like a true politician. I know. Um, but yeah, so the, the district council is responsible for housing, uh, and we made provision for those who need uh, housing. Uh, for uh, the um, green spaces, so the park and the country parks and, and, and the other areas in Horsham. Uh, it's also responsible for the collection of rubbish, but not the disposal of rubbish. Okay, so we collect your bins, we try and replace them when they get damaged, but actually we don't have to do anything about disposal of the rubbish because that's a county council function. So you can probably see that there are, there are two issues, really. One is what the council does. Uh, that's the, the things like planning, housing, rubbish collection, green spaces, things that make life more pleasurable for us. Uh, the county council get the rough deal, which is to repair the potholes, uh, maintain the roads, uh, ensure that there's uh, an adequate policing function and, uh, and various other things like that. Um, so the district is, is what you see around you uh, and what you're able to uh, to experience and I was chairman of the district council and the other issue is that somebody kept referring to me as the leader of the council I wasn't the leader of the council okay any decisions that were made were not mine another politician's uh, <laughs> statement um, because as, as, as chairman of the council uh, I was expected for a year to be impartial uh, expected to um, respect the opinions of any of the political parties but I wasn't taking sides and I wasn't being involved 
in any of the actual um, political decisions. And that I found quite difficult because I like to express an opinion when I need to, uh, but I was impartial and I was representing every single member of the council and there are 48 members and I was respecting the, uh, representing those members uh, and also representing the council, this district, at civic functions, being able to go to uh, various places. Uh, some of them were quite interesting, from the highbrow to uh, less highbrow. Um, but I was able to go to worship in Arundel Cathedral uh, on the first Sunday in um, Advent last year. Uh, I was able to go to Chichester Cathedral and worship there at the judges' service. Um, I was able to go to uh, various other uh, churches and church functions, but I was also out there uh, at the um, Model Railway um, group in Horsham, uh, able to go to um, represent Horsham District Council at the Olive Tree, which is a, a charity whereby people who have uh, cancer and their families who have cancer uh, or, or, or diseases such as that are actually supported by volunteers. Uh, so that was a very moving uh, experience. Uh, I was able to stand in the Carfax uh, with many others uh, for an hour-long vigil at the time of Ukraine. And uh, that was arranged by the churches together in Horsham. And that was a really moving experience because those people who turned up, and we reckon two or three hundred people came, um, we were able to stand in silence for that hour, and that was a long time to stand, I found. But yeah, an hour's long silence, and the Carfax on that Sunday lunchtime was absolutely quiet. It was amazing that people actually came and respected uh, what was happening uh, in support of Ukraine. Um, I was able to raise numerous flags, um, because in the Carfax there's a flagpole, so when it was uh, Armed Forces Day, I was raising the flag. When it was the Merchant Navy Day, it was a flag. When it was other things, it was a flag. So I, I raised an awful lot of flags. Um, but, but it was a wonderful year, and I met many, many people. And I'm just thankful that, that um, COVID was receding, uh, because I was able to have a service at St. Mary's for people to come who were members of society both in West Sussex but also the volunteers because I don't know whether you realise but the numbers of volunteers in our West Sussex are amazing. We have volunteers for everything and if we didn't have the volunteers then this county or this part of uh, the Sussex County would, would not function as well as it does. And, and I just want you to know that. If you volunteer, if you're a member of a, a group that does meals, takes meals out to people, visits people, uh, goes out to, uh, to, to bring uh, support, uh, you are incredibly important in, in this part of West Sussex. Um, and we need more volunteers. Um, now, I covered a lot. Slightly more briefly, do you want to talk about the challenges? Oh, yes, <laughs> the challenges. Well, I didn't find very many challenges um, because I enjoyed it so much that maybe I wasn't looking for all the challenges. But, I mean, the challenges that I, I found as, as chairman 
on the challenges that we experience right way across our strata of society. Or all people are different. And one of the greatest challenges was actually ensuring that people came together and were actually able to talk uh, over their disagreements. Um, there is a danger in politics like anywhere else where people become uh, convinced that they are right and they become intractable in their opinions and sometimes people have to row back and actually understand that there are others who have different opinions, different views on life and sometimes bringing those people together and trying to take away the angst and the the unpleasantness uh, is a challenge mm. uh, and it's something that the chairman of the council will have to do uh, at, at times. The other, the other issues of course um, are the issues that, that um, we all face, the issues of deciding where the money goes, where it's going to be allocated, who's going to receive it, is it going to be in the south of the district, is it going to be in the north of the district and of course wherever you decide and whatever you decide there's always somebody on the email or somebody um, making comments or trolling you um, about the decision. So that's also uh, quite hard. Um, David, you said a long time ago in an interview with All About Horsham, you weren't sure that you had been able to make much of a difference. Uh, what, what's kept you going? Because that must be quite discouraging in some ways. I, I think everybody looks at their life and what they're doing. Uh, and there has to be an element of uh, reflection. And I think it, when I gave that interview, um, I wasn't quite sure whether I'd made very much of a, an impact at all. I wanted to make an impact. I got into this purely because, as a medic, I was unhappy with some of the care that patients were getting. And at that time, we had a big campaign going to try and get a hospital in this area. You may remember it. Uh, and, and I felt that I needed to get involved because... Um, it's all very well complaining from the sidelines, but actually if you want to do something and change it, then you've got to get in there and, and start um, making a difference. And we didn't get a new hospital in this area, um, sadly, and I think that it was a mistake, but that was my own opinion. But actually then I was thinking, did I really make a difference? But I think that over the years, looking at the, 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 the way um, things have gone, I've progress from that into more uh, concern for housing, concern for those who are homeless, uh, concern for those who are feeling marginalised and it's, it's an area that we can do something about it within the council. So I think I've changed, I've moved on Good. because Good. like everything it's a pilgrimage isn't okay. it? And how does all that connect with your faith? Where, where, how do you join the dots on that? It, it's, it's a very, I suppose it's personal. Uh, my faith <coughs> is open. People know that I'm a Christian. People know that I, I attend the church. If there's nobody to take prayers at the council, I always get a message which says, can you take the prayers before council tonight? Um, so uh, maybe I'm on the prayer rotor of one for the council, apart from the, the vicar and the, the, the other ministers. Um, so I don't have a problem with people knowing what I believe. People know I have a faith. Um, and, and I actually believe that faith without works is not what it should be. Yeah, if you're, absolutely. If you're, if you're, if you're
professing of Christianity, then you've got to do the works as well as have the faith. Um, and so that's what's what's driven me to, to do it. Um, and, I, and I would think that, that you know, I hope that that makes a difference as well. Um, but it's one of the issues that, that I have, and I think others do as well in the, in the council. And there are others I've found who have a faith. Mm. That's encouraging. Um, but you find out about it gradually when you're talking. Mm. And how can we pray for you? And how, how, can we, how should we be praying for the council? Well, I, I think so the first thing is the council is composed of a lot of people working there who are working to the best of their abilities and to their best they can. So we've got a lot of officers and a lot of staff, and I would say, yes, they need prayer mm. because it can be dispiriting, it can be quite hard, uh, and they do get some of the, um, the, the sticks and the brickbats. So pray for the people who work in the council, the staff, those who are responsible for the housing, those who are responsible for planning. They are all trying to achieve uh, the best they can for this district and for the people who live here. Secondly, I think it's pray for wisdom because we have a lot of issues uh, coming up. We have a lot of planning issues. As you know, there are a lot of um, uh, strategic sites which are due to come up for planning for permission and approval, it, probably in the next year or two. And those are in strategic sites, but they also affect people who live there. And actually making decisions about that is not easy. And one never... Um, satisfies everyone. So please pray for the decisions for wisdom to make the right decision. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you can say there's a right decision, because some people will object. Um, so it's wisdom. Integrity. Integrity is one of those words that everybody knows about now. Uh, nationally, it's, it's uh, of great concern, I think. Um, but I think integrity at local level and being seen and being understood as making decisions which are fair and not with bias or not with any anything else other than genuine concern to make the right decision. Very important. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, for me, just to make sure that I don't say something that I shouldn't say, um, I can sometimes say something and then think afterwards, I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, prayer for being circumspect about what one says uh, but with speaking with truth is, is very important okay we're going to pray for you would anybody like to come and join me as i pray for david father we, we thank you for david thank you for his willingness to serve his dedication to you and to this community and we pray that your spirit would rest upon him giving him wisdom the ability to choose his words wisely and well that they would be effective and listened to and heeded uh, that your spirit would take what he offers and use it to make a difference and enable him to model integrity and that that would be, have a good influence on those around him. We pray when there are so many different um, agendas, the impossibility of pleasing everybody and difficult decisions have to be made, 
pray for clarity to know what needs to be decided and why and how. And we thank you for the many people who work for the council. We pray that you'd enable them to serve us well and that they would feel appreciated and valued for what they do because without the council we would be in, in difficulty in all sorts of ways. So for your servants we pray that you would equip them with the, the encouragement, the resources and all that they need to serve you and us in this way. And bless David we pray in Jesus' name. We are all called to live our lives for Jesus. So let's stand and sing, Jesus, all for Jesus. We're part of God's family. Over the next few weeks on Sunday mornings, we're going to be unpacking our vision of the kind of church we feel God is calling us to be here at Brighton Road. There is material for reflection on our website. If you go to the homepage and click on the weekly newsletter, there is a, a section there, material for reflection, and that can be used by yourselves or in, in, in life groups just to reflect a little bit deeper on what it is that we're thinking about on our Sunday mornings. 
What does it mean for us to be a family? If I'm honest, when we were kind of struggling and praying and thinking about our vision, there was some hesitation about calling ourselves a family. There is an enduring perception that the basic building block of the family is a husband and wife and their children living under the same roof. And we didn't want to exclude people who didn't fit that mould. But actually, is that the norm these days? Hardly. Families are a lot more disparate and diverse than that. And it was precisely that recognition that gave us the freedom to take the term family and apply it to us as a church. Because belonging to a church is about relationship. And family expresses that word well. It's not about being part of an institution. It's not about working for an organisation. It is about relating together as members of a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. What makes people part of a family? According to Britannica, members of a family are tied together by bonds of marriage, blood or adoption. And some of us, quite a few of us perhaps in Bright Road, are related to each other in that kind of way. But it's not those things which tie us together. In fact, in terms of whether or not we belong to the church, they are quite irrelevant. What unites us, what binds us together, is Christ. Paul puts it simply and straightforwardly in Galatians 3.26, In Christ Jesus, by faith, you are all God's children. And because it is by faith, membership of this family is open to anyone. There are no barriers to belief or qualifications you need to have in order to believe. That's the point Paul was trying to get across in this letter. He was arguing against those who claimed that to belong to God, you needed to live in a certain way. You needed to keep the law. You really, really needed to have the right pedigree. You needed to be able to trace your ancestry all the way back to Abraham. And if you couldn't, then you had to opt in to being a member of Abraham's family uh, by accepting circumcision and keeping the law. And Paul says, that is complete and utter rubbish. Because if you belong to Christ, then by definition, you automatically qualify as one of Abraham's children. You don't need to do anything else. There are no supplementary requirements. So if you start to think that belonging to God is all about keeping a set of rules and regulations, then that is a big mistake. Because it isn't. It's about a relationship with Christ. Think of all the do's and don'ts you had to observe as a child. You must do this. You're not allowed to do that. As a child, you have to do as you're told. At least you did in those days. And Paul says, if that's the case, then what really is the difference between a child and a slave? They both have to follow the rules. But the key difference is that the child grows up. And with adulthood come freedom and responsibility. Responsibility. 
Think of one of those old-fashioned Downton Abbey-type households where the children are basically looked after by the staff until they are old enough actually to begin to relate to their father and mother on their own terms, directly, without intermediaries, in a whole new way. Paul says it's like that with the Jewish law. For the nation of Israel, it acted like a kind of guardian until the time that faith came on the scene. And after that, Israel didn't need the law in the same way anymore. So why, when Gentiles, non-Jewish people, had found faith, why was there this move to say they needed to keep the law? There was a sense in which the law actually became between Israel and God's people and God, keeping them apart. It was a kind of intermediary, whereas in Christ, they could relate to God directly. In Christ, Paul says, you no longer need the law. At least, that's his quite radical take on the subject in Galatians, his most polemical of letters. You'll find a more nuanced consideration of the topic in Romans. But in Galatians, Paul says the law gets in the way. To say you've got to keep the law is a big step backwards. If you relate to Christ, that is all you need. He says that for believers in Christ to be told you need to keep the law, it's like taking away their freedom. Treating them like slaves. It was a massive step backwards. Because the whole point of the gospel is Christ came to set us free. To liberate us from the negative spiritual forces that control our lives. To set people free even from the law itself. When the time was right, God sent his own son, born of a human mother, living under the Jewish law, to redeem, to set free those who are under the law, so that you, we, might become God's children. That's his summary of the gospel there, in Galatians chapter 4. Few of us, I suspect, come from perfect families. It's a rare child indeed who never has to forgive their parents. Many of us carry hang-ups and deep insecurities from how we were brought up. Our parents may have tried their best, but parents are human and they fail. If we had demanding parents with high expectations, we may feel we're never good enough to please them or anybody else. If we have neglectful or abusive parents, we may feel worthless and useless. If we were scared of our parents, I remember being very afraid of my father when I was a small boy, we may feel deeply insecure. If we didn't feel loved, then we'll find it hard to love ourselves and others. The really scary thing about parenting is that there are so many ways to get it wrong. And our children always end up carrying the scars of our failures and mistakes. But God, as the perfect parent, doesn't want his children to be scared of him. He puts the spirit of his son into our hearts. So that whatever kind of man our real father may have been, we can begin to relate to God as the perfect father who loves his children unconditionally and cares and provides for us. 
And the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our hearts to be able to receive God's love for us. enables us to trust him as a father. To call him dad, daddy, abba. An address of trust and love and intimacy. And he welcomes us into a relationship that's not based on how good we are or how clever we are, how much we do or how well we perform, but simply on his unconditional love which is shown to us in his Son. A love which enables us to trust him. That's the good news which makes you a child of God. And makes us together members of God's family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And as members together of God's family, bound together in Christ, we are committed to each other, to supporting each other, to being there for each other in any and every circumstance. One of the reasons why good families are so important and beneficial is that where family relationships are characterised by warmth and love and companionship, that gives the members of the family emotional and psychological security. Where there is, there is also physical security in terms of food and shelter and clothing, caring for each other where we are unwell or disabled. And it's always been recognised that strong families can be the bedrock of a stable society. And what is true of families can and should be true of us as a church as well. We find, whatever our own family background might be like, we find in God's family security, healing for our brokenness, in the warmth and love and companionship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We care for each other. We support each other when life gets tough or goes wrong. And strong churches have a role to play in stabilising society as a whole. So are we part of God's family? Yes, that's our calling and our privilege. Do we all get it, always get it right? No, we don't. That's why we're called to forgive each other. I said earlier that membership of the family is open to all, as indeed it is. But, and this is important... You don't join the family simply by pitching up here at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. So you're more than welcome if you do, of course. But the key verse is Galatians 3.26. In Christ Jesus, you are all God's children by faith. And that's nothing to do with where you happen to be on Sunday morning. It's those two words, by faith, that are important here. Because it's not about how good you are, how well you do, or how hard you try. It's not about moving in the right circles or coming from the right part of Horsham. It's not about being Baptist or evangelical or liberal or charismatic. The Holy Spirit sets no store by such labels, and neither should we. It's about having the faith, the trust in Jesus to be able to say, Lord, here I am. If I'm honest, my life has been a bit of a mess. And there are days when I find it hard to accept myself because of what I've done, because of what other people have done to me. But I'm prepared 
to believe that you accept me as I am who I am. And my life has been controlled by so many negative things that have happened in my past, but I believe that you died to set me free from all of that. And I'm trusting you enough to place my life in your hands and put you in charge of what happens from now on. And Lord, I welcome your spirit into my heart. Help me to welcome your love for me and trust you as my loving Heavenly Father. Make me part of your family today. Amen. And if that prayer connected with you today, can I invite you to have a word with me or with a Christian whom you know and trust before you leave this place today? Because the good news is that God welcomes you in Christ as his child. And we welcome you as our brother or sister in Christ. Because we're all part of God's family by faith. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. So we sing together beneath the cross of Jesus.
and as members together of God's family, let's bless each other in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all.